Welcome to another episode of Adding Context, a podcast of compelling conversations centered on advancing and enhancing the human experience. I am your host, Michael Bollins. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Adding Context. Today I'm speaking to Cassie and Josh. Why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves? Oh man. All right. So, uh, yeah, we're Cassie and Josh. So we, uh, I mean, I guess interesting bit first and why we're here, I suppose. Um, we're, uh, the co-founders head coaches at touch of flavor. We help, uh, people who are in non-traditional non-monogamous relationships, build thriving relationships. Um, so I guess that's the interesting piece as to why we're here beyond that. We live in Maryland. Uh, we've been married for, like 15 years, do, 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 do. like 15 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, well, anyways, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we've got another partner who lives with us here. We've got uh, a dog and a cat and a teenager, teenager and, and, and an almost toddler. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know, like sci-fi and long walks on the beach. No, sci-fi climbing. I don't know. What do you want to say, Cass? Um, I think you covered all the, the cool stuff. Um, yeah, and just, you know, for us, our what we do is our passion. You know, we love helping other people with their relationships. Like, it's not just a, we do it because that's what we live. It's not that we just do it because it's what we're good at. It's really, at the core of it, we really, really do believe that relationships are like the most important things in our lives. And that's why we put so much focus there. So that's the only other thing I would add. You took all the, the Can you easy tell Cassie stuff. was our PR person back when we did a lot of PR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate the intro. Um, so it's more like you guys preach what you teach, so to speak, which is something that I kind of, I like, I like people that are more engaged and more involved with the things that they teach, so to speak. And, and clearly that's what you guys are all about. Sure. Although if I can give one caveat to that, um, we're not out trying to convert. I think that's one really like mm-hmm. common misconception that people have. And as soon as I heard preach, it's like, I'm just going to interject in there. <laughs> you know, uh, no, the, the truth is different things work for different folks. And, uh, you know, what works for you might be monogamy. It might not be, but we're certainly not out here trying to convert people. I think a lot of people have that, like when we talk to them, you know, we talk to a lot of people and especially when we're talking to people who are, uh, like maybe their partner is, is interested in this and they're not, you know, there's this big, like, Oh God, you're going to try and like convert me to the thing. It's like, no, no, we're really not. No, we just want to, if this is what you're doing, we want to help you out. Yeah. And oh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It's just really important for folks to recognize that whatever kind of relationship you're doing, that it is something that you're doing consciously, right. That you're, thinking about, and is this actually what works for me? Is this what makes me happy and fulfilled? And monogamy is a completely fine option, right? But it shouldn't be the only option. It's kind of like telling folks that like going to Burger King is the only option, right? It's not like there's many of other restaurants and honestly, some things are much more healthier for other people, right? So it's this idea of really being conscientious about what works for you. And it's not about, you know, this is what I have to do or not have to do. It's, this is an opportunity and I should look at it and our relationship should be an opportunity for us to get what we want and we need. So we should think about that as, you know, a conscious thing as a decision. Got it. Yeah. Um, I, I think if anybody listens to any of the episodes, it's, it's clear that that's your, 
your motive is, is to just enlighten people and give people options and show that there's not just one way of living life. And, and I'm a firm believer that life is about experiences and living it to the fullest. And for some people, like you guys point out, non-monogamy is the way to go. Um, and I'm, I'm all for consenting adults doing whatever they please. It's, you know, I have a very hard time where people try and force their morals and their moral compass on people. Um, it's, it, I get really frustrated when I see that. And it's, it's nice that there are people out there who have the knowledge of how to help people find their groove, so to speak. And that's kind of, I think, what you guys are doing. So I like to commend you on that because there's not a lot of people that are, I think, as well-rounded as you guys seem to be. Um, from the handful of episodes that I've listened to, you guys definitely know what you're talking about. I actually have a friend who is a client of yours, um, and they've had some very positive things to say about you guys. Just you know, the, the normal one-on-one calls that you guys do, how relaxed and easy it is to talk to you guys, and how you kind of just lay out the facts and let people navigate their map that way that's awesome i didn't realize that when we set this up so that's pretty cool <laughs> um yeah i was trying to because it's it, it's something that I, I i like learning about different aspects of life and and what people do to keep themselves happy um which is kind of how i found your your podcast to begin with um and i reached out to a few friends random friends just to see if they've listened to your podcast and was like yeah I've, i'm actually a client of theirs i'm like oh interesting so um what was it, I guess, I guess, I guess the genesis, I mean, when you left high school, was did you have a plan to become a relationship expert or did you have some <laughs> other other direction you were going to try and go uh, to? Do you want to start with your background or mine? I think or mine? if I start. Okay, go ahead. Uh, no, so, no, no. Uh, I left high school and joined the military and then I was a, I was a, a detective for a number of years actually here in Baltimore. Um, no, it was, it, it's funny. It was an, and I'll let Cassie tell the story, but it was, it was much more something that developed organically. I don't think either of us, uh, I, I certainly didn't leave high school going, this is what I want to do for a living. Um, you left high school in some ways a little closer and in some ways further away. See the part that, that, that Josh is really leaving out here is when we got to got together, Josh wasn't even for non-monogamy. That's like I, true. I had had some non-monogamous relationships before Josh. And so when you say getting out of high school, like getting into our relationship, this wasn't even something we were doing for ourselves. Um, I always had sort of like a vision in my head that I, I wanted more partners and whatnot and uh, had to encourage him along the way. Um, you know, like just let's do a threesome. Um, and, uh, you know, having to, to encourage that along the way, you know, just, I'm joking, but kind of. And so, uh, no, for, for Josh, it wasn't for myself, you know, this was something that I was looking at from a standpoint of like, what would fulfill me as a person, right? Like non-monogamy. Um, but I actually went to school to be a school teacher, like elementary school. I was well on my way, um, I was actually doing like field placements. I was in public school helping other teachers. Um, and that's where I started out. And then as the years went on, we got involved in some of our communities around here um, and started helping to teach some classes, things like that, and got pulled in from other people who had attended our classes, who had uh, seen us teach. 
and asking like, will you coach? Will you, will you do this thing? You know, like this class that you taught was like really, really helpful. And, um, at first I was like, well, I haven't really done this coaching thing. I know how to make a curriculum. I know how to make a class. Like that's, that's like what I know, but let's try it out. And I was very honest up front. Like this is, this was a, a sample beta kind of thing. And I took on a few clients and, you know, with that understanding and I loved it and they got great results. And from there, it started being more of the plan. Like, okay, this is obviously a need that people have. This is something that's very fulfilling for myself and started doing classes, started getting training, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it was, it was very organic. And then I kind of, you know, over the years gotten more and more involved, um, uh, you know, with the first with the business end of it and then with the actual coaching and, you know, and it was kind of one of those, like, and as we've gone, you know, then we've developed a lot of gotten a lot of training and things like that along the way. But yeah, it, it definitely started just with like people asking us for help uh, and, and kind of flowed from there. So I'm, I'm guessing your, your backgrounds, both Cassie is your teaching education and from your detective experience, you bring things from your we'll call it a, a past life, so to speak that I think can translate or at least components that can translate well into what you guys are doing now. I mean, as you pointed out, you can create a curriculum, you, you know how to get the structure of things and your ability from being a detective, you can talk to people. Um, you know, honestly, uh, were you with a police department or a county type level or where were you at as a detective? Cause I, I only asked because I was, I'm a retired police officer. So, Oh really? Uh, I was I was with Baltimore City Police, okay. uh, and I was I was a detective there for like 13 years. I spent most of it in homicide, nice. so I'm yeah. sure you were quite busy. <laughs> unfortunately, it, yes. Yeah. It was busy. So I left that a couple of years ago, and and that was what I was saying was kind of the genesis. So, um, you know, so I'd been teaching. You know, Cassie had been doing this full time for a long time, and I'd been teaching for a long time and managing the business. And but a couple of years ago, I took another opportunity that allowed me to focus a lot more and start in on the coaching. And then, um, uh, you know, just a little while back, I actually started doing this. It, it's been a, a progressively more time to actually being full time. So. And in that, like the two of us decided, like, while you were doing that to even get even more training for ourselves. So like what we've been able to provide our clients over the years has just like been able to accelerate since that point. Cause we're like, okay, we're going to keep learning and keep growing and keep like sharpening, you know, our, our skill set for that. So, which has been great. Yeah. I've really enjoyed having you as like my, 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 my sidekick. I'm joking. I'm more, my, more my team. Like we're more of a team, but I'm picking on him because it's fun. Robin. So given the, the I can topic, be your Batman. <laughs> um, given the topic, I, there's, there's so many myths that are involved with polyamory and things like that. So I think one thing that I see recurring is the conflation between polygamy and polyamory. Can you concisely define the difference between the two? Sure. Um, so there's kind of two things that are the difference. So there's the actual like linguistic, like polygamy is like one man, many women, right? Polyamory might look like whatever the people involved want it to look like. Um, so that's the like linguistic difference, but the, the practical difference is usually when you're talking about polygamy, you're talking about something that's like religiously prescribed in a very certain way that a lot of times carries some unhealthy connotations with it. Um, so actually 
not monogamous people aren't too fond of the word polygamy because it like it's usually a very loaded loaded phrase in terms of what that entails yeah it's usually like seated in a lot of misogyny most of the time so um i wouldn't say it's a a no-no word in the in the non-monogamous community i would say that it definitely raises an eyebrow as to like what are you actually doing in your polygamy you know like what what does that really look like um but one thing I do want to point out is there's, there is a big umbrella. And I think a lot of folks get like narrowed down on, are you polyamorous? Are you polygamous? Um, and there's the huge umbrella of non-monogamy, which those things fall under, as well as like open relationships, which may be different than like polyamory. Um, so really it's about having those like designer relationships that you decide work for you. Um, and I just kind of wanted to put that out because I think a lot of folks forget that there's all these other little like facets that fall under non-monogamy. Right. It's, I mean, my understanding is, and again, this is coming from a admitted position of, of ignorance you with monogamy. It, it's simply, you know, two consenting adults in a relationship strictly together, exclusive, nothing outside. Um, polyamory kind of encompasses everything else. You know, multiple configurations, whether it's a triad or a quad or, or multiple variations of that, you know, two, three, four people together with the open relationship end of it. So I, I think, and it frustrates me when I hear it, that people trying to insert their positions and their thoughts of how people should live their lives and in a rather controlling fashion, and it definitely comes from I think a religious standpoint for the most part. Um, like I said before, there, there's a lot of myths that I hear and, and, and that I read about. Um, specifically saying that, you know, poly people are only about only in it for sex, that they can't commit to another person. What way would you, I guess, best describe or explain that's not what the life is about? <laughs> so polyamory at its root you know, means multiple loves, right? And it's about having multiple relationships, not multiple. How are we able to cuss on here? <laughs> Speak freely. <laughs> it's okay, cool. Absolutely. So not multiple fucks, okay, is, is not what the word means. And, and sex is easy. Relationships are hard, right? And you have to be committed to have relationships, even if it's a dating relationship, even if it's a relationship where you only see somebody a few times a week versus you know, some of these relationships, you know, we, we live with our partner. There's three of us. We raise kids. That ain't easy. Sex is easy, right? right. And so commitment, I, I sometimes chuckle and I say, I have double the amount of committed you know, commitment that someone who's married does. I've got two people that I have to make sure are happy, are thriving, who I have to negotiate with, who I have to co-parent with. So think about the commitment to that. Right. And so, and I'm, and, and it's mostly unjust, but the idea is this, it's, it's not a level of, you know, am I committed or not committed? It's, these are actual relationships. And the problem with that question is that people are assuming that they're not relationships, that they're just a, a means to get sex. Right. I want to throw, I'll, I'll throw one more thing out here too, you know, kind of, and I, I hate going too far into phrasing just because everybody uses things a little differently, but when you're looking at, non-monogamy and polyamory, right? What tends to distinguish polyamory is that romantic component, 
right? So you'd like, just an easy example, like you wouldn't, most people who are polyamorous wouldn't refer to swinging as polyamorous, right? Because, you know, it's like two people like going out to a party and couple swapping. Not that um, there's anything wrong with that. That was the other piece I wanted to say though. But there's also nothing wrong with that either. And that was the other piece that I yeah. wanted to throw in. Like, I think that it's kind of like this dual thing, right? Of like, well, these aren't real romantic relationships, which isn't true. But also this idea that, it has to be romantic to justify there being relationships outside marriage, which also isn't true. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, as well. and you can be completely committed to your partner and love your partner um, and have intimate relationships with other people. You know, it's this idea that, you know, our society makes sex into something that it is beyond just a regular activity, right? Like we would never say you're not committed to your wife because you went out and played ping pong with somebody, right? Like we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't assume that, you know, you, you're not committed and you're not a family person. You don't care because of that. So it's that weight on literally a, a, an activity being what makes you committed or what doesn't versus like the actual, you know, what makes up your character. I, I agree with that. I think that there's a lot to be said that, and I kind of touched on it before, as long as the parties involved are consenting, it shouldn't matter what they're doing as long as they're not harming anybody else. And as you pointed out, sex specifically in our society has been so <sighs> demonized to a, to a degree that it has to fall within this, this tight definition of, of, what it means and what it entails. And I think that more people need to recognize that, as you said, sex is an activity. And as, as long as it's being done consentingly and, and safely, do what you want. Um, I had a woman on my show a few months ago. Uh, she was, the at the time, the director of communications for Decriminalized Sex, um, which, again, it's it's another thing that I, I agree with. It's It falls down into the idea of, consenting adults doing what they please as long as they're not hurting anybody else. So I, I like what you guys are, are doing in the fact that you're trying to educate people for the most part. Um, what are, I guess, some of the roadblocks or, or speed bumps that you guys hit resistance-wise in what you guys are trying to do? So by speed bumps, do you mean in our own relationship? Do you mean with building, you know, the coaching with other people? What do you mean? Uh, why don't we start with maybe your relationship, if you're okay with that? Sure. Um, yeah, that's because this, this really does play into the story of um, <laughs> how we wound up doing this. So I'm trying to think which parts I want to go into. <laughs> so I think... I'll keep this kind of brief, right? But I won't go too far into the backstory on it. But what I'll say is, you know, this didn't start, we didn't start as a, this didn't start as a coaching business. It started many years ago, more as like a, a sex ad business after like 50 shades of gray. And, um, spice things up. Have yeah, more fun. And, and we were, we were doing, we were putting together like large events and for people who have never been involved in that world, it kind of consumes your whole life. And, you know, between that and my day job and, you know, we, we made, we did what so many people do, right. Which is 
we started looking at all these other goals that we had and all these other responsibilities and these things that we wanted to achieve. And we put the relationship on the back burner, right? And we wound up suffering what everybody suffers when, when we do that, right? You know, whether it's arguments, whether it was, you know, having like spending no time together and, it, you know, just really getting to like, we got, I mean, we got to a point where there was a question if the relationship was going to continue at one point, right? Um, just because. Yeah, how it got. And what I want to add there is it wasn't a non-monogamy come of it. It wasn't, it wasn't the non-monogamy that was doing it. It was us not focusing at, on our relationship and making our relationship all it could be. And I just wanted to throw that out because I didn't want to lose that in, in there. And so when we, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep it really simple, but we had a couple things happen in life that really, one thing I find that's kind of interesting is um, I can always tell, because I do a lot of our like front facing conversations with people who are looking for help, right? Who aren't clients yet. You can always tell when someone's had a brush with their own morality and how they're talking about their relationships. Right. Right. And so we had a couple things happen in our own life. Um, and we, we, we decided it was time to make the relationship a priority again, because we've all only got so much time with each other. And, and then we ran into the second roadblock, which is what really led to us coaching, which was, we were looking for help. And when you're first off, I, I would argue that it's, it's really difficult to find good relationship help period, even if you're monogamous. Right. Um, but God forbid you have a relationship that doesn't look like the norm and you need good relationship help. Right. Right that was a big roadblock and it was kind of recovering back from that and having to figure that out on our own and put that together on our own. And with no small component of luck, we're able to do that. Um, was kind of how we got pulled into coaching. So I guess that would be a, a, a good example of our relationship. If you wanted to ask Cassie about stuff we ran into business wise. Um, you know, it's, it's always a funny topic when folks ask like, well, what, what, what challenges have you had? I mean, there's, there's everything from like, you know, Facebook being like, nope. Um, to, uh, you know, your general like social media issues with like things getting shut off, but all in all, um, minus people having some comments here or there, things like that. We find the people who are looking for what they need. Right. And so, um, honestly, I feel like I was expecting more. I think a lot of folks expected a lot more like, oh, you must like struggle with everything. And it's, you know, it's, it's a challenging thing, right? You know, there definitely is the having to have a lot of conversations about what we do and what it really is about. And, um, but all in all, I think that it's one of those things that like, you know, you attract what you're putting out and, and we're looking for folks who really want to, prioritize their relationships and who want to have those be thriving things and the universe aligns us. Right. So, um, I think that, uh, all in all, you know, besides the basic, you know, as I said, occasionally Facebook is like, we don't like how you said that or Twitter taking down a comment or, you know, the angry person who's like, you know, write something on one of our posts. That's like, this is immoral. Um, but like, it, it's almost laughable at this point, yeah. right? Because like, we get to see the lives that we change. So like, it's like, yeah, okay, delete. Like yeah, you, spent like, you spent 30 minutes writing that bigoted comment and I spent 0. 0.5 seconds deleting it. it. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, I, th- I, I find it funny when people throw a, a higher sense of morality that their position and their morality is is more relevant or proper definition. I think morality is as unique as the people that it is for. Um, you know, I think life shapes people's morality. Um, everybody's moral compass has got its own true north and and I think people need to recognize that that you know what's right for you is not necessarily right for everybody and it's not your place to to dictate how people should be living their lives like I'm not Wiccan but I like the Wiccan I like the Wiccan creed right if it harm none do what you will I'm for that that's (laughs) kind of my trust me there's enough just in that to try and figure out life (laughs) um I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that that thought process. Um, life should be about living it to the fullest and you know being happy. It's especially in this day and age, um, especially how the last year has gone, to find the little things that that can make you happy and, and change your perspective from being in a, a negative place into a, a more positive, enlightened place. I think anything that it works as long as it's not harming anybody else should absolutely be an avenue to be pursued. Would you say that alternative relationships are becoming more prevalent or just more accepted, or is there a difference between more prevalent and accepted? You want to take this? If you want me to both. Um, I think it's, I think it's definitely some of both. Um, so, you know, we're also in, involved in the kink community as well. Right. And, um, there has been definitely, you know, whether it's kink, whether it's polyamory, um, over the last f- several years, you know, a, a much more public face put on things in terms of the media. Um, not always great depictions like Fifty Shades of Grey, but regardless, a much more public face put on things. And I think it's some of both. I think it's that... Um, I think it's both that like it is becoming more out there. And then as it's more out there, you know, you have so many people, I talked to so many people who were like, I felt like this my whole life and I didn't realize it was a thing. And then I saw X, Y, and Z, or I talked to this person or I read this book or I saw this show and then I knew. Um, and so I think, I, I don't think you can really have one without the other. I think that as it becomes more prevalent, you have a lot more people who are like, Oh, here's the truth. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll throw it out this way. You know, like I said before, we're all for if, if, if monogamy is a good fit for you, then that's what you should do. But you don't have to look very far around you to realize that non-monogamy isn't a good fit for a lot of people who are in monogamous relationships. You don't have to look at anything except the cheating rate, which by the way, never okay. But you don't have to look at anything except the rate of cheating in marriages to see that a lot of people who are in monogamous relationships aren't really well-suited to monogamous relationships. So what you have is a lot of people who have maybe something has been a good fit for them, but have been that way because that's a social norm. And as stuff becomes more public and they see that, oh, this is actually an option, there's more people who seize on that. Yeah, there's definitely, I think, a feeding of the two things, right? Um, Just a a while back, Oh gosh, what was it called? The Wonder Woman movie, uh, Doctor uh, Marston, Professor yeah, Marston, Professor Marston, and and the Wonder Woman. Uh, like that came out, and I can't tell you how many people reached out and who were like, 
you know, I had thought about divorcing my partner because I had these thoughts about other people because I, I wanted to pursue other things. And I didn't think that I could be married and have other relationships like that's immoral. So I should get divorced. But like, I saw this, this movie that gave me this idea and like, I can stay married and we can keep our family together. And I, you know, we can have discussions about having other partners. Right. So I I think it's a, a feeding in. I think there's a lot of people who need to see more to know that what they're feeling or thinking is okay. And when they do, then more things come out because those people then produce books and things like that. So it's, it's definitely a feeding back and forth. Um, and I think just society as a whole, uh, some of those things are growing a bit faster than years prior, right? Like when we first came into the communities, things were very slow, but like now you've got Facebook and you've got social media and things are just like, you know, like back when we first started looking into information about BDSM and non-monogamy. You like had to be invited out to things. Yeah. You know, you, you had to really like search for it and you might find some erotica somewhere that talks about it, but um, you know, trying to find education while well, that was, whew, that was, that was a long, long time of, of searching all kinds of search terms and hoping you found, Google. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, um, you can literally Google, like I want another partner and stuff pops up. You don't even have to have the terms right anymore. Right. Um, so, I, I do think that things have sped up more quickly, right? Because of that. Um, but it's definitely always been a feeding of those two worlds. Um, just my perspective. Yeah. I think um, since you brought it up, 50 Shades of Grey, I think, as you pointed out, opened up people's eyes that there's more than more to life than just a kind of a vanilla, plain Jane, plain basic type of relationship. Um, you know, whether it's a power exchange thing, whether it's the various types of kink that are out there. Um, do you, regardless of the negative stuff that I've heard about the books and the movies, do you think it was a kind of a positive thing that it became kind of as mainstream as it did because it had kind of at least opened up the door for some people? Yes, he has a Huffington Post article about this exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, so the, the, the short answer is... Um, yes, it was a positive force, right? Like anytime the doors open for discussion, anytime there's a possibility for people to have the place to ask questions, to explore, to have more thoughts about something is a positive, right? Um, certainly don't take it as your educational textbook, right? But, um, it was a starting place for people to have context. So yes, it was a positive thing. We were very involved. Like I said, so so at the time that came out, we were doing more sex, that kind of stuff. So we were actually, we were, there was a time period where we were kind of, and by we, like I said, Cassie was doing the PR because I was a cop, but where the company was, where like Touch of Flavor was kind of like the public face of kink at that time because we were the ones who were engaging with the media because we were educating new people. Um, and I agree, like, it, it's so funny because like you talk to, to people who are involved in kink about it and they get really like angsty. And even we have a, a, a parody, like little parody video <laughs> floating around somewhere. Right. But like, it's fun to make fun of. Yeah. But, but I mean, it, it, and it's, it's awful. Like, I mean, it was, it was, it was an awful movie and it was awful in terms of like, you know, like the, the depictions of the relationships, but as far as actually 
it opened so many people's eyes to the possibility. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's like big love, right? Like it opened so many people's eyes just to the possibility that was there, that it was definitely a positive force Yeah. in spite of being not a positive <laughs> movie <laughs> or book. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't read the books. I haven't watched the movies, but everything that I've seen, that the kind of, <laughs> I'll, I'll take your advice. Um, so bad. <laughs> but like you, you said it, it, the aftermath that came after that, the kind of almost like this awakening that came away of, of people mm-hmm. saying, wow, there, this is people really do this. And, and as you pointed out over the last you know, five, 10, 15 years or so, the ability for like-minded people to meet um, kind of starting off anonymously and then kind of getting into the face-to-faces and, and really experiencing life, I think is if there is anything good to come out of social media, that we have, I think that's that's one of the things. I think there's a lot of bad that comes out of it as well, but I think there's definitely some good things, and, and that being one of them. Yes, and yes. Um, <laughs> what, um, I guess, kind of a dumb question, but why is it so important for you to, to help other people? Because, and I really, really believe this, <laughs> I'll give you a kind of GPS answer. Our relationships are the most important things that we have in our lives. And, you know, you can take this anywhere from just your personal experience of looking at the times your relationship has sucked and how bad the rest that's made the rest of your life, right? To vice versa, right? Times your relationship was great, but maybe the rest of your life you were struggling, but it was, it seemed okay, right? Because your relationships were good. Or you look at it from the perspective of science and studies that have been done. And the truth of the matter is, you know, whether you're looking at our overall happiness, our fulfillment, our ability to reach our goals, our health, like our relationships impact all of those more than any other single thing. And so I think that's why it's important to help people with their relationships, why it's important for us to help. And uh, you know, I'm not really one for false modesty, but for us right now, it's because, like I said before, like when you're looking for that help and you're in a non-traditional relationship, good help is hard to find. And right now, when people are in that situation, we're their best hope to change it. And it's it's not a magic thing. I mean, it's you know, it's 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 something that we've built up over the years. But I mean, you know, we we help people who have been through couples counselors through this, through that, through therapy, through whatever. And, you know, they're on the brink of divorce. And when you get to have someone to be like, you know, like, thank you. Like we just reached our 15th anniversary and we weren't going to do that three months ago. That's a big deal. Right. Um, So for us, I think that's, that's what's behind it. I can't follow that. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I think that you're, you're absolutely right. Relationships are, crucial to not only our, our personal development, but to our genuine happiness. Um, yeah. I was fortunate enough that when I was working at a pizzeria 20 some years ago, a girl walked in and I saw her and just instantly knew that I was going to be with her for the rest of my life. And my wife and I just hit our 17th anniversary and we, it's just, I, I couldn't be happier. Um, the notion that you guys are in a very fulfilling relationship, not with just each other, but with your children and with your partner, I, I, I like the idea that you guys are living your life as 
happy as you want it to be. And it's not something that other people would probably think was, was possible. But you guys are living it and, and a, a testament to that. And the fact that you kind of are, are guiding people through some really difficult times. I mean, as you pointed out, statistics, you know, divorce is a high probability for most marriages because people are not willing to expand their or open their minds a little bit to the possibility of ways that are outside the box of fixing their relationships. And I think that part of that is a lot to do with, you know, the counseling that they get is, is kind of geared towards strictly monogamy. If they're, if you think that you might be remotely attracted or, or even in love with someone that you're not married to, well then there, there's something wrong and, and you should, you should get a divorce as opposed to going, well, maybe you guys can work an arrangement out, which is, I think what you guys kind of <laughs> are, are promoting, which is, um, a good thing. Um, going can I one thing in here. Absolutely. You don't mind? You were asking about myths earlier, and you just sparked something for me that is actually a huge myth that we do deal with a lot. Not, it's not, and it's not specific to non-monogamy, but it's specific to what we do. Um, one huge myth that we get, and this may not have been what you were saying, but it did bring it up for me, is we talk to a lot of people who think that we help save people's marriages by making them non-monogamous, right? It's like, you come to us and it's like, oh, like you're, you're bored of each other and your relationship sucks and- Get another partner. Yeah, get another partner, <laughs> which is not at all. We work with two kinds of people, right? right? We work with people who, I mean, we work with, that, that, that was way more specific. Grouping. Than really. We work with two main categories of people. We work with people who are, um, you know, they, they know they've been non-monogamous and they, they just need relationship help. They've fallen out of love. They're arguing. They're, you know, like they're, they're can't figure out how to do stuff around the house. Like their distance is growing, that kind of stuff. Right. And the second grouping is people who have decided that they are non-monogamous. Right. Uh, and they're trying to make that transition and they're struggling to do it. So we don't ever have anybody who comes to us and we're like, I know you were monogamous, but you know the way that you fix what's going on here become non-monogamous, and that is a huge myth. We're we're basically we're the relationship coaches for people who are already non-monogamous. Right. That, 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 that's a that's a just we do work with a lot of people who they're like newly non-monogamous, like they've just decided it and like they're struggling, or they decided it three years ago and they're still struggling and still haven't been able to figure it out. But uh, it's the the people that we're working with, they already know, or at least one partner knows that's where they're at and they're now trying to make that relationship work. Got so it. I wanted to throw that in there. My apologies if I, if I made it believe, come out uh, that that was the other way. You're not, <laughs> you're not hurting my feelings. Even if that's what you thought, you're not hurting my feelings. That is, that is a myth we hear a lot. And I wanted to, wanted to put that in the space. I appreciate yeah, the clarity. A lot of folks think that like 90% of the conversation that we're having with people is like being a monogamous. And I'm like, no, no. Like we, we spend so much time working through all the different elements of a relationship. You know, like some of the, the conversations that I have with folks is everything from feeling disconnected to we can't make agreements around, you know, how we're dealing with the kids, right? Like this is not you know, the, the answer is non-monogamy. The answer is there's a lot of different things that you have to work out in a relationship to make it thriving. Right. We just foster a place to be able to do non-monogamous relationships in a healthy way. Yeah. Right. This is, if you don't mind me taking 10 more seconds, okay. this, Absolutely. this is what we typically, this see when we, when we're talking to people who have been polyamorous for a long time, this is what we 
in so much as there's a typical conversation, right? A lot of times it doesn't look like, oh my God, like we've been together for 10 years and the po- like we've been polyamorous for 10 years and the polyamory isn't working. It's, oh my God, like we've been arguing and, you know, like we haven't had sex in six months and we went to the therapist to try and get help and they told us we need to stop being polyamorous and we we're like that's not why we're fucking here like that's 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 a good chunk of our conversations with people who have been polyamorous for a while right so that kind of stuff so so to, to touch on a, a few truths um that i at least want to get verification from you guys um for most people the, i guess the four basic truths that are for a polyamorous couple are it's got to be based in trust you have to have good communication. You have to have consent, and it's clearly got to be mutual. Kind of fair assessment of that. Kind of, ba- I guess, breaking it down to basic building blocks of any relationship. Go ahead. So, I think. So, what does it have to be mutual mean? Let's let, let me ask you that question, and, and then I'll answer. Um. I, my interpretation of it being mutual is that I think it kind of ties into the consent, um, it, mutually consent that each party is doing what they agreed to, whatever that term might be. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it would really fall down to, to the three tenets of trust, communication, and consent. It will kind of mix the mutual aspect yeah. of it. I, I'd say those are all important prints. So those are all important pieces. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that that at a base is what you need to start. I just don't want people to think that that's all you need. Right. Okay. Um, and those things alone are big overarching things, right? Because what I mean by that is good communication. And this is, I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Good communication is one of these things that like, I want to rip my hair out when I watch people <laughs> post it. Cause like, you'll see folks who are like, all you need in your relationship to make it thrive is good communication. And when you say good communication, right, it, it, it makes it sound like it's a small thing. Good communication is so many skill sets. Right. It's everything from being able to negotiate to being able to discuss things to being able to uh, know how to control your emotions when you get upset to being able to, uh, you know, um, uh, get to a place where uh, you're able to say no and and still, you know, taking things into consideration before doing so. Like, it is such a, a large gamut of things. So I don't want to just say, well, it's good communication and, and just right. kind of make that a, a, a passing thing. But I think those are the, the key things. I think the first two things that you said, it being consensual, right? People agreeing to it. Um, it being honest. Those are must-haves. And I think the communication aspect is what you should be working towards always in any relationship that you have and working on all of the different skill sets that creates good communication. I think the, the idea of good communication is a very simplistic term with a very complex definition. And I think all three of those are, as we pointed out, are crucial to any relationship, regardless of we're talking about a consensual polyamorous relationship or a non-monogamous relationship. It could be a work relationship. Every relationship has, I think boils down to those three basic concepts. But as we said, it's they're simple concepts, but complex aspects. 
Yeah, one more thing I'll throw in here, you know, and the first off, isn't it interesting how, like you said, none of those things that you said are specific to non-monogamous relationships. Right. That's <laughs> but the second piece is that I'll, I'll say, and, and consent's always a must have, right? But I, I will say that just setting consent aside for a moment is something that you always have to have in any relationship period. Um, I, I would, I would say that I think everything that you said is important, but I think that it, I do think that maybe the most important piece is that, it, you know, we talk about this idea of making our relationships a priority, right? Because, you know, the, the thing is, I was talking earlier about how our relationships are the most important things in our lives, right? And the truth of the matter is, like, underlying everything else, you know, whether it's trust, whether it's communication, underlying all of that, anytime, this is a coach of me coming out, anytime that you're, you're looking to improve something, right, or make a change in something, before you ever get down to the tactics of it and the how, the reason always comes first, the why. Is your why powerful enough to move you in the right direction? Is your why powerful enough to keep you going in the right directions when things get rough, right? Is it powerful enough to make the hard decisions to put in the hard work? And underneath any relationship that's thriving, polyamorous or monogamous, I think at the core comes that understanding of how important our relationships are and a commitment to as we go through life keep the focus on improving them and making them what they need to be. You know, otherwise you wind up and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're 60 and you're looking back and you know, you, you have the job you wanted in the house you wanted and you're also divorced and your kids live with somebody else and you know, and, uh, and, and you're going to die alone. Like, so I, I do think, you know, I, I would say those are important principles, but any relationship, I think if you really want to have a good one, it starts with just that understanding and not that like up here, we all kind of give lip service to oh, our relationships are important. Right. But actually the day to day going through life in that way and making decisions that way with that understanding that your relationships are important. I think everything starts there. I, I agree. I, I think that's, that's crucial. And, and I, I try and teach my kids, um, try and live a life as best you can with as little regrets as possible. Um, which means you need to explore things and explore ideas and, and just really experience life. Um, so to kind of shift gears entirely and get away <laughs> from all the, the serious talk, I have a handful of kind of crazy questions for you. Sure. All right. The first, uh, first two have to do with, uh, which would you rather, uh, would you rather build an epic sandcastle or a decent tree house? Treehouse. I agree. Mm. Last longer. More fun in the tree and being one with nature. Yeah. I'm an outdoor person. <laughs> I think yours is going to be different. Well, it would actually be the treehouse, but I would really have to stop and tell myself that was the right answer. So. <laughs> I think the problem with sand castles is they can be easily washed away. A little harder to break down a treehouse. I don't know, but you said epic, and I, I know, was like, yeah, I Josh know. is a perfectionist, so I like know. that was my like, first that's thought. The problem. I would, I would, I would have to sit and think about it, and then I'd go with the treehouse. Is the, See, right real, the real answer for you, if you don't mind me, I think right. And the treehouse needs to be fucking epic. Yeah, like, is why that, can't I would, have an epic treehouse? Yep, yeah, he would start with the treehouse and make it epic. Is what I was gonna say. Yeah. 
that that's probably the same thing I would do. Not half-assing it. Um, which would you rather, happiness or hope, sold in vending machines? Hope. Because I think we all can create our own happiness. And I think sometimes it's really hard for folks to find hope on their own. Um, it's actually one of the things that we spend a lot of time doing is giving folks hope who don't have it. I think we can create happiness once we have some hope. I would say happiness because I think that uh, I think that you need hope for happiness. So if you're getting happiness out of a vending machine, I feel like it's got hope in it and a bunch of other stuff. So I like I like the dueling in the different perspectives. Um, <laughs> I, I think I would have to go with with hope as well for the the same reason Cassie said is hope gives you that avenue to to happiness and. I appreciate the time that you guys have given me. I appreciate the conversation and the, uh, the education that I just got. And where can people find your, your stuff and links to you if, the, if they wanted to seek you out? Sure, absolutely. So we have a podcast. You can just search for Touch of Flavor. Uh, and we're, you know, everywhere podcasts are podcasts. Um, but you can do that. Uh, you know, our website is a touchofflavor.com. Um, and then if you're on Facebook, we have a page, you can search for Touch of Flavor, but probably a better thing to do is we have a, a Facebook group that is, well, it's got like 9,000 people in it. Mm-hmm. Where we, 10, yeah, we, we post a lot of content in there and, and you know videos and put our podcasts in there and everything else. And you can just search for relationships outside the box as a Facebook group. It'll be the easiest places to find us. Anything you want to throw in there, Cassie? Yeah. I will make sure I put that stuff in the show notes and hopefully people that are looking for something and looking for answers to their own thought processes can seek you out. Awesome, man. Once again, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adding Context. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or visit us at addingcontext.com. You can also support our show via Patreon. Send us feedback and show ideas to podcast at addingcontext.com.